Elbit City Limits listeners. It's Will, and, uh, well, I'm recording this while I'm a little bit sick, unfortunately. Now, that's not what's keeping us from the new episode of Elwood City Limits. No, 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 no. Uh, that's a little bit of a different matter. I just happen to be sick when I'm recording this. Not, not, not great, but, you know, we all have to get sick sometime, unfortunately. So, yeah, this week, unfortunately, Lucas and I both very busy, as you well know. Lucas is doing a lot of traveling these days. His work really ramps up this time of year. And we are actually both going to be in the same city at the same time. Uh, Now, normally we're both in Halifax at the same time, but we're actually both going to be in Toronto at the same time. Yeah, Uh, we're taking a quick little aside because All Elite Wrestling is doing TV tapings in Toronto. This is their first Canadian TV tapings. Lucas and I snapped up tickets real quick. Now, we're not going together together, but I'm hoping that we do see each other at the show. So, yeah, I'm going to be flying out to... I'm actually probably in Toronto as you're hearing this. Uh, Knock on wood, hope everything goes well. And very excited for this little mini vacation. We're going to see some other stuff in Toronto as well. And, of course, it's also Canadian Thanksgiving this week. It was on Monday, so it's a little bit of a topsy-turvy week. And so we decided to call an audible on this one. We're going to unfortunately have to punt Elwood City Limits to next week. Hopefully, Lucas will be able to join us for that. If not, we will find another guest for the show, and we will continue on with Elwood City Limits. So sorry for the break in schedule. Now, what we are going to do, as we like to do, it's very rare, actually, that we've done this. This is the third time that we've ever unlocked the Patreon. That's right. For any of you who are uh, listening only on the free feed, and we love you for doing that, we love it no matter where you're listening, you may not know what exactly lies behind the paywall. Well, this is your opportunity to find out. This is one of our more recent episodes of our Patreon-exclusive podcast, For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast. And in this one, we're talking about both iterations of The Electric Company. You'll see that uh, we take we do a little bit of the history of the show, as we do with a lot of these other PBS Kids shows that we talk about. And uh, it's very rare, actually, that we get the chance to talk about two different iterations of the same show. We really enjoyed recording this, and we hope that you'll enjoy listening to it as well. Get a little taste of the Patreon. Now, if this sounds good to you, and trust me, we've done a lot of other PBS Kids shows on the Patreon as well. Uh, Many, many. We're talking like Dragon Tales. We've talked about Caillou. We've talked about Barney. We're going to be talking about Sesame Street very soon. So if that sounds good to you, all you got to do is go over to patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And our most recent episode of For the Kids came out last week. And that one was about Wild Kratts. We took a look at the history of the Kratt Brothers and their most recent television show. We talk about a lot of stuff. And also coming out on the Patreon this week, I'm going over the big changes that are going to be coming in the next couple of months to the Patreon schedule. And this will affect the free feed as well. So if you want to find out what that is, what those changes are right now, Patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. It is pay what you want. You could pay as little as a dollar, and that will get you access to nearly 50 one-hour-plus episodes of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, plus our movie commentaries, 
uh, or excuse me, well, yes, we do have movie commentaries on there. We have commentaries for every Arthur special up there, as well as on the free feed, but we also have Patreon-exclusive movie reviews, uh, video reviews that are also exclusive to Patreon, and even more. So check that out. One more time, patreon.com slash Limits. We have wonderful people supporting us on that site, such as Ash, Jared G, David Corrales, Jeffrey Norris, Richard Mortimer, Ricardo A. Soto, Sarah, Iman Salehian, Awesome Eddie 21, Baby Show Addict, Cedric Taylor, Robert Morrison, Valeria, Ursula Katz, Revd, Matt, we have uh, Peebs on there as well, William, Caitlin Harrington Robinson, Riley Stevens, we have Christine Wong on there, we have Americana Dream, and we also have Ian Collis, among many, many others. So yeah, that's what you might be missing out on if you're not on the Patreon, but now that you're on the free feed, why don't you take a listen to our episode on The Electric Company. And next week, we will hopefully, knock on wood, be back with a new episode of Elwood City Limits. Sorry for the wait, a little bit of a crazy week, but until then, here's some content from behind the Patreon wall. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Hey, you guys! Hey, you guys. Hey, you guys. I, it's, I, I'm, I'm kind of missing the energy there, but I also don't want to don't want to blow out the microphone. It's a little bit different when, <laughs> you know, the electric company podcast, they have to be a little bit probably have to be a little bit quieter. You know, yeah. not, not all this. We're, we're doing electric company like NPR or CBC style where it's like, hey, you guys. <laughs> really got to turn up the gain on that one so you can get my mouth spit (laughs) we're all here on the electric company e (laughs) e emphasis on the e silent e so e y whoa hang on there getting ahead of ourselves that's right it's another episode (laughs) of for the kids a pbs kids podcast will young here with lucas mancini we're back from a little bit of a vacay for you the patrons and this one's a big one. At least it appears to be from the outset, because we're talking about the electric company. Lucas, you wanted to get away 
from all the puppets you wanted to get away from the cartoons and you wanted to go a little bit live action with this one. Yeah, and people on the Discord pointed out that, of course, there are cartoons, uh, some pretty famous ones, mm-hmm. uh, in uh, all the adaptations of The Electric Company. But it's it's a variety show. It's a magazine show. It's it's not dissimilar to, say, a Sesame Street. It's a bowl of party mix. It's like we've been eating ringalos uh, week after week, and you want to get some, you want to get some uh, some pretzels in there. You want to get some cheesies in there. You want to get some variety. That's what you're looking for. I, exactly. I also shouldn't have said that because now I'm really hungry for party mix and I don't have any. So let's move forward here. That's right, the Electric Company. So this episode is going to be a little bit different because we are going to be talking about two different iterations of the same concept because there were are were are two different versions of the show, The Electric Company, and we're going to talk about them in sequence. And we'll kind of you'll see how it's different as we go along here. But first of all. I think, you know, without giving too much away, neither of us were really in the right place to be watching either of these uh, versions of The Electric Company. In fact, for one of them, uh, we were not even a gleam in our parents' eye yet. Uh, So, Lucas, what did you know, if anything, about The Electric Company before we watched it today? Everything I knew about The Electric Company uh, before I watched it was from, like, references in old rap songs or something like oh yeah uh yeah i knew about it as kind of like a cultural touchstone sort of a is it pre sesame street or right around the same time as Sesame Street? it's it's a contemporary of like early sesame street yeah so 1970s children television uh i only know it you know being referenced by other things that came much later so you know i'm not a child of the 1970s i have no kind of real familiarity uh, or nostalgia for the electric company. I also knew that Morgan Freeman was on it. Right. Um, and, but that's that's about it. I also knew that the kid goes, hey, you guys. Right. Hey, you guys. Yeah, that's that's the that's one of the one of the references. And I, I kind of agree with you. The most that I've understood what it is, is from references in the media of people who grew up watching The Electric Company. So for me, there are several references to uh, The Electric Company in Family Guy. So that's where I kind of, and I kind of feel that sort of, I wonder if I wonder if younger people today do that sort of thing with the cartoons, the, the adult animation cartoons that are on now. Do people still do the thing where like, what does that mean? And they look it up and then they find out about The Electric Company or like, TV, like Three's Company. That's how I found out what Three's Company was from like yeah. Simpsons and Family Guy references and that that sort of thing. So I, I don't. I think really that's know relatively common. What's that? Uh, like I think that's relatively common. I I, I remember uh, you know Family Guy, love it or hate it, is pretty ubiquitous amongst my generation. And yeah. I remember having a conversation with a friend who, when they had finally watched Airplane, much to their chagrin, they had realized that Family Guy had stolen almost. Every single solitary joke from Airplane uh, to the point where it it wasn't really parody anymore. They were just kind of doing the same jokes from Airplane again. Right. (laughs) uh, Albeit with Peter Griffin and his family. But um, I think that happens all the time. I mean, imagine if you were to watch, um, oh gosh, Blue Harvest before seeing Star Wars, what that would feel right. like. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had to think for a second, I was like, what is it? Oh, right, the Family Guy thing. And then, and t- t- to your point, there is a direct airplane reference, reference in 
Blue Harvest. So, um, but yeah, other than that, practically nothing at all. Um, so this was interesting for me to research. So, uh, this first part of the podcast, we're going to talk about the first iteration of the Electric Company, which, as I said, was a contemporary of um, Sesame Street, and you'll see why. The creator of the Electric Company is a man named Paul Dooley. He was also the head writer on the show. And the show was also produced by the Children's Television Workshop, which, as we've spoken about in previous episodes, uh, like Ghostwriter and Elmo's World, would go on to be Sesame Workshop, which is what it's known by today. In case you haven't listened to those episodes yet, essentially, Children's Television Workshop, Sesame Workshop, is a nonprofit company dedicated to creating educational children's television programming. So there's quite a few that have been on PBS that were produced by uh, the workshop. So Paul Dooley, the creator, is an actor, writer, and comedian, still alive today. He was active in film and TV from the 1960s all the way to his final credits so far in 2020. So many, many decades. Uh, Other two people who are credited with creating the show are Lloyd Morissette and Joan Gans Cooney, who are two of the founders of the Children's Television Workshop, and they're credited with creating the show along with Paul Dooley. So sometimes I I always enjoy finding out what the idea was behind the show's creation, because sometimes if you have a like a singular creator, they have a vision for what they want the show to be. And and they say it right out. Other times it's like, well, this was just kind of like work for hire. It was made to capitalize on a license or like an idea or something. So Children's Television Workshop at the time, they wanted to make a graduative program after kids were too old for Sesame Street. So this was essentially something you watch Sesame Street when you're, I don't know, two to let's say six or seven years old. And then when you feel like you're too old for that, you start watching The Electric Company, which is, and the show wanted to, of course, continue focusing on literacy and reading and writing concepts, uh, but in a little bit more of a, uh, like, I guess, I guess less puppets uh, is the immediate yeah, takeaway. You, you wanted out with the puppets, in with the giant 70s collars and hair pieces and uh, people <laughs> with receding hairlines. <laughs> and of and of course like that's really the major difference between Sesame Street is there's no muppets but there's still sketches with live action people and there are still animated segments. So you can see how at least with early Sesame Street these look quite similar. So the Electric Company ran for 6 seasons from October 1971, which makes it I believe this is the oldest show that we've covered so far to April 1977, and it re-ran until October 1985. In the same New York studios as Sesame Street, they produced 780 episodes of this show. Wow. Yeah. It's like One Piece or something. (laughs) (laughs) It is kind of the One Piece of... children's educational programming in a way I, we must have come in so we must have been like the equivalent of like the buggy arc buggy the clown arc and i promise that's all i know about one piece please don't talk to me about one piece i don't know and at this point i'm too afraid to ask um so 780 episodes uh it was of course very very well remembered and celebrated it even won a primetime emmy in 1973 for outstanding children's programming now 1971 to 1977, if it was so popular, why did it get canceled? Because it was not seen as profitable as Sesame Street. 
because unfortunately, Sesame Street, what you get with the Muppets is you get marketability, baby. You can you can merchandise those things till the cows come home. But with the electric company, unfortunately, the only um, you know, merchandise I could find for it other than, you know, like selling the logo would be a Milton Bradley board game as well as two Mattel Electronics video games for the Intellivision that were the electric company. <laughs> it, it makes perfect sense, right? Like people are going to buy a doll of Elmo. They're not going to buy a doll of um, Skip Hinnant. No. <laughs> No, there's there's no like uh, there's hardly mascot characters, and the one that they do have is not really theirs to sell. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, so yeah, not as marketable as Sesame Street. It was also a cost cutting measure by PBS. The cancellation was because some people were complaining that the Children's Television Workshop was getting too much of the money that PBS was you know is lo- allotted annually for its productions. So you have Sesame Street and you have the Electric Company. They're getting a lot of money to make these, you know, pretty, you know, there's a lot of effects as we see in the show. There's a lot of segments. There's just like a lot of moving parts, 780 episodes. So they had to essentially choose between uh, projects and the electric company was axed. But as we said, well remembered. And we've made reference to it already. The one thing I wanted to touch on before we get into anything about the actual episode we watched are the performers on the Electric Company, primarily a live-action variety sketch show kind of a thing, very similar to, um, like, Bill Nye the Science Guy, this is, and in, in more ways than one, but in a, in a taking up from the Electric Company in that way, I think Bill Nye was. So, as I think you already said, Lucas, one of the most famous performers, I think, in any PBS Kids show that we've had so far, Morgan Freeman. This is one of his earlier acting opportunities, and he was on a lot of The Electric Company, and we see a lot of him in this episode. It's just instantly recognizable, right? It's not like when you see someone... Um, like, I could see someone watching Pee-wee's Playhouse and, and not realizing that's Larry Fishburne there. Mm. But uh, Morgan Freeman, it, it's the voice, it's very distinct, and he just looks like Morgan Freeman. Oh, yeah, big time. And it's just like, th- this is more <laughs> this is Morgan Freeman when uh, he's, you know, I, sh- I apologize, I should have looked this up, but Morgan Freeman in the 70s, because he's, so, 90, he's born in 1937, 10, 20, 30, 40... So he's like a little bit older than me. Not much though. I just had I just had my birthday. I'm still early 30s, but he's I'm like you know, Morgan Freeman in season 1 is probably close to my age right now. And he does look relatively the same. It's just that today, of course, he's got the big uh uh gray white beard. So obviously much older looking, but He's very recognizable. And there are some other recognizable faces in this cast as well. One of them to me, which I was really interested to see, is Rita Moreno, who was a main cast member for the film West Side Story. She was also part of the main cast of one of my favorite television shows, Oz, HBO's Oz, Sister Peter Marie. I was really excited to see her, but she's a a, a musical performer by nature. She's done all kinds of things, and chances are you probably have seen her in something, or your mom or dad probably have she was the voice of Carmen Sandiego she was on Jane the Virgin she was on the new one day at a time on Netflix which I'm sure I think everybody loved uh so yeah Rita Moreno she's great um other cast members include Judy Grobart who is a comedic and theatrical actor who also appeared in many commercials 
Lee Chamberlain, who is also a stage and television actor. <laughs> Lucas, you name dropped him earlier. Skip Hinant, <laughs> a stage and screen actor. Okay, so I've got I've got two facts for you to go back to back uh, about Skip Hinant. So first of all, oh, Hibby, Hibby, I'm I'm here for these Skip facts. I got to know more about Skip. So Skip ended up being the longest serving president of the New York branch of the Screen Actors Guild. So he went on to be qu- still quite important in the world of acting. He is also the voice of. Fritz the cat. Wow. <laughs> that's that's from the electric company to Fritz the cat is quite a, a career pipeline for sure. Uh, turn safe search on when you look up Fritz the cat or don't. I'm, I'm not <laughs> your dad. Um, now, I don't know if we got it so much in this episode, but there is somebody who's credited as being the narrator slash announcer of the show. And that is Ken Roberts, who is somebody who started out in radio as far back as the 1930s. And he announced for a lot of soap operas and game shows, including Candid Camera. So his voice can be heard throughout the show. We have some other cast members who joined later on in the show, including puppeteer Jim Boyd, Luis Avalos, Hattie Winston, who is also the voice of Lucy Carmichael on the Rugrats, and Danny Seagrin, who is another puppeteer. He appeared on camera, and Lucas, you may have noticed this in the very opening credits. Did you catch Spider-Man in in amongst the cast? <laughs> No, I did not see. This is funny. I met Spider-Man the other day, Will. Uh, what? At my job. Yeah, at my job on campus. It's it's back to school for all the college students. Right. And and who was there but the, the web-slinging uh, crusader himself, uh, Spider-Man. Spidey was there. What? Oh, I'm taking so... pictures with the Dallas students. I'm yeah. so jealous. That's awesome. Man. I know. I got a picture. I got a pick for my Be Real with Spider-Man. Oh. Anyway, who knew that he was also in the Electric Company? Yes, very uh, in uh, certain certain segments, of course, and they couldn't uh, couldn't market him, unfortunately, and that was kind of part of uh, you know still owned by Marvel and very much still is. So there wasn't really anything to be made of him, but he did appear in a few episodes. Unfortunately, not the one that we were talking about. I'll very quickly mention there was one other main cast member who left after the first, I believe, season or two, and that is Bill Cosby, who fortunately didn't show up in the episode that we watched. So just wanted to mention that there. But we also had a lot of cameos uh, as the show went along, including cameos by Sesame Street alum Big Bird, Grover, Spider-Man, as I mentioned, Oscar the Grouch, and actors like Diane Keaton, Dean Martin, uh, football player Joe Namath, and Lily Tomlin. So some real actors of the day of the 1970s. Uh, so the episode we watched, this was really, this was hard to find. So I'm lucky enough that a lot of the episodes of a PBS Kids show are usually listed on the Wikipedia page. No such luck on the electric company. Uh, and it seems they didn't even title their episodes. So really, uh, the episode we're watching today from sometime in 1975 is just called 18. A. Um. So not not its rating. No, there's no X rated sort of no, no adult no. content in this episode. No, the Canadian ratings board did not rate this 18A. No, that that's <laughs> just the the production number of this. Um. So like I said, we're going to be covering this a little bit differently. But of course, we got to start off with 
the theme song that starts off with "Hey You Guys." The show's music. Hey you guys. The show's music was produced by a guy named Joe Raposo for the first three seasons, and then by Gary William Friedman for season four and Dave Connor for seasons five and six. Joe Raposo, also known for making music for Sesame Street, Shining Time Station, Three's Company, and uh, let me know if you've seen this: Halloween is Grinch Night, the Grinch Halloween special. I, I've not seen that. I had no idea that the Grinch had issues with other holidays beyond Christmas. It's well, the, I, I mean, I think he feels the exact opposite about Halloween. Halloween is Grinch night, so ah, I see. It's kind of trippy. He's a big fan. It, it's kind of trippy. Like there's a great musical number in the middle of it, and it, uh, you know, have yourself a have yourself a grand old time and green out to the Grinch. Um, Spe- speaking of trippy, will yes. this opening. Well, right, and I just wanted to quickly mention that the show's album of music won a Grammy Award, so that's another thing that it was very celebrated for at the time. But yeah, so the Electric Company theme song and opening, uh, you know, they're nobody's introduced by name, I noticed. There's no, like, name tags or anything like that, but it's very, um, you know, you know, very 70s, very, like... Yes. The graphics of the time, like if you if you ever see like clips of like Soul Train or like if you watch the new season of The Boys when it's like um, they're trying to do all the retro uh, talk shows, talk slash variety shows. It's like this is very much of that ilk. And just yeah, the electric the company, the electric company. With, <laughs> you get the sense that with all of this, they are pushing um, whatever kind of. Um, and I don't even know the proper term, special effects. The the, the type of uh, transitions, it, we were talking about this recently about video mixers. And yeah, yeah. Uh, our brief time in, in radio and television college, how um, when you try and do editing and transitions and stuff with a, a literal physical mixing board, uh, pre-using uh, software to do all of this stuff, and you get the sense with this opening visually that they are using uh, the technology available to them and kind of pushing it to its limits. Right. In terms of, okay, <laughs> we've got these people and it's tiny versions of them in front of the blue screen and then they're going to all turn into little squares as we transition into the next title that's probably built into this, like, uh, mixing board. And it all, um, it, it kind of looks a little quaint these days, but as a fan of kind of old media um i loved seeing all this 70s stuff and i thought it looks so so it, you're, you're very right that it's of its time it's you could take a look at five seconds of this and it's unmistakably the 70s if if it's the special effects that don't tip you off it's the music the sound quality of the music or everyone's outfits oh, the which fashion. is probably the most yes the fashion is probably the most distinctly 70s thing about the whole show if you like these giant collars uh you you are in the right place um, but yeah, th- I, I was a fan of the electric company, uh, opening. It's certainly very winning, uh, right off, right off the jump. And it helps that it is so retro at this point that it's just like, wow, almost can't believe that something like this ever existed for real and didn't just exist as like a, like a throwback that we were already doing. But no, no, that's like, we actually had television shows that actually looked like this. So how I wanted to do this differently is to talk about, because I want to talk about both iterations of The Electric Company, which means we're not going to be doing the typical blow-by-blow recap of the episode we watched. Just kind of general thoughts so that we don't get bogged down in the weeds here. So 
what were your what like overall, Lucas? What were your initial impressions of watching this episode of The Electric Company from 1975? Yeah, and uh, th- that's a really good question, Will, because I definitely want to talk about my initial impressions, and then I want to loop back to the 1975 version once we had a chance to talk about yeah the 2009 version because I think they're both more interesting when compared and contrasted as opposed to existing by themselves in a vacuum. Yeah, of course. Um, The 1975 one, first of all, I was impressed by how fast-paced it was. Usually when we watch children's television from the 70s, you know, it's more of the kind of pace of a Mr. Rogers. Yes, Um, yeah. You know, my, my parents always talk about, um, what's that called? The Friendly Giant or the big, whatever? Yeah, the Big Friendly uh, Giant. Big Friendly Giant. And when you go back and watch that stuff, you're like, man, this is so boring. <laughs> uh, I was just surprised by kind of the frenetic almost. You know, this is something we usually associate with the 90s and the MTV era. I thought it was an almost MTV level uh, pace of wackiness and zaniness. Um, the different techniques being used. No one segment having kind of too much time. And you kind of get that loose... 70s vibe from everything too you know there's a specific segment where the girl drops um the on and then rearranges the word to say off yes and it feels very like unscripted and loose and she like (laughs) turns the camera she's like i gotta get out of here and it all feels very like casual and and not stilted at all very loosey-goosey same with the animation the animation's a little psychedelic you know keep off the grass um with with its various styles and you love seeing that old they had to make use of what the, there was no digital animation at this point so it's all traditional animation yeah. so it's all aged very well um it's so those are the things oh what were you saying well it's to go along with what you're saying here like it's i i, I felt exhausted by the end of this episode <laughs> and now i i don't mean that as an insult it's just like you said the pa- the pace they cut is nuts and like thinking about the fact that you know we have the creator of the show uh paul dooley who is also the head writer and it's like like people wrote this like it and again that sounds insulting what i mean is <laughs> like you're right there are some sketch ideas that are literally just like they take 30 seconds and they're just playing around with like the concept of like they they, they go through all kinds of different phonetic concepts here we're talking about like uh, periods, question marks, and exclamation points. Uh, the difference between on and off. Quotation marks. The prefix bleh. The uh, the ue suffix. Like all of these different things are covered in a half hour show, and some of them are just like you said, like just a little piece of what feels like improv. And it's just like there are like I, you know, I wrote them all down here. Let me let me count. Like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, seventeen, twenty. There's over twenty different segments going on here and it could be a song it could be a cartoon it could be a live action sketch that incorporates a cartoon or digital technology like quote-unquote digital technology at the time like uh green screen technology which would have still been pretty novel at the time i imagine like there's quite a bit of effort and i'm sure money put into this and you can see it all but like man if you like there's no it feels like there's almost nothing to grab onto of just like okay hang on we're going in a completely different direction next um, it did remind yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of our and I mentioned this earlier. It reminded me a lot of our experience watching Bill Nye the Science Guy, except with Bill Nye, that was made in the '90s, and so it, it you know we were cutting between all kinds of different sketches and ideas, but there was also like a loudness with it. There was like an in-your-face 
brash quality, and this is very much, it's not as loud, but it is still just as quick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's still got that, like, uh, it, it, I'm not saying, you know, I always hate it when creative people, they say, oh, you know, what were they what were they smoking when they put this together or Ooh, whatever. they must have made this on drugs. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. But the vibe of this, it's got that kind of, like, 70s, like, kind of, like, when Coke was still glamorous vibe with its frenetic pace. It's it's a muted kind of frenetic right. attitude yeah. and pace, but it's still kind of it's loosey goosey and it's cool. Um, well, and the other and, and like you said, the, the the variety is really staggering. One minute you're with Morgan Freeman and he's taking pictures of his boo thing and she's getting mad because <laughs> they keep changing with the words, and then the next we're with the Road Runner and there's just like a Road Runner cartoon yeah. smack dab in the middle of it. Le- so I wonder like. We're talking about how fast-paced this feels now, and we're living in the world of TikTok and, you know, the shortest tension spans that that the world's ever seen. This must have been mind-boggling to the parents of the 70s. Right. You know, the, the, the generation that remembers the Great Depression and World War II and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, who grew up listening to the radio before television was invented. This must have made those people's head rattle around. Well, it reminds me a little bit of something like MTV's Liquid Television, where it's or, or, yeah. or stuff like that, where it's like you don't know what you're going to get when you watch it, and then you kind of have to... Like, your brain has to try and attach itself to whatever concept is on there and, like, get into it, and then it's gone. And this is happening, like, uh, presumably every episode of The Electric Company, which is which is nuts. And I also think that, um, kind of to go along with what you said of just, you know, that, that tired old, like, whoa, what were these people smoking? My tired observation that I had here was, like, what like maybe not so much they don't make this kind of show anymore but i'm also just like why don't they like you bring up a great point there's so much more instant gratification type of entertainment in the past 50 years and i'm just like i feel like a show like this like just presented exactly like this would be like gangbusters right today well, that's what's interesting, Will, yeah. is that we got a show that was kind of well, yeah, not necessarily presenting it like this, but attempting to do well. Maybe this is a good time to talk about a Electric Company 2009. Yeah, uh, all right, let's and yeah, talk let's... about kind of what what this sort of thing looks like in a modern context. Sure. the The one other thing that I wanted to point out, just specifically, again with um. With the variety of types of segments you get, it could be animated, there could be a musical segment, and then occasionally, like you said, it's like Morgan Freeman and his girlfriend, and I found that those, like, were weirdly, like, true to life. It was just so strange to get, like, a PBS Kids show that was, like, imitating real life among adults, you know? Will, it's crazy that you bring that up, because I have that this exact note written down about how uh, domestic... And true to life, um, those segments feel in the 70s version. And I specifically want to bring it up uh, to kind of contrast with the uh, live action, mm. quote unquote, storyline segments of the 2009 version. Right. So, yeah, let's 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 talk. Let's talk the electric company. Oh, nine. Right. Okay. So like we said, the reruns of the original electric company went into the 1980s. Now, between the original series and the revival series, which we'll talk about next. It, the original series was semi-revived in a few different ways. 
Um, so select episodes of the show were rerun on Noggin, the channel Noggin, which I believe we've talked about, from 1999 to 2005. Uh, the first DVD release of The Electric Company came out in 2006, and it was met with wild demand, which prompted the release of even more box sets. A lot of people still had great memories of this show, and it was released on iTunes as well in episodic format. The show was then rebooted by Sesame Workshop, the same produce, the, the same house that produced it wanted to make it again for the PBS Kids Go block in 2009. So from January 2009 to April 2011, we got three seasons of 52 episodes of what is sometimes referred to as The New Electric Company. And the show was also reran on HBO Kids since HBO now has the rights to some PBS Kids and uh, Sesame Workshop programming. It was done so from 2016 to 2020. So again, very popular, very well received. It won 10 Daytime Emmy Awards in the time it was uh, being aired for editing, writing, and for best children's series. Now, this is a little bit different before the... It was almost like running down with the 1970s show. It's almost like a cast of performers like SNL. And they're just like, here are the players, and they will be doing different roles. This time, it is more like a cast. So I'll just quickly go over some of the more notable ones. For example, we have an actor named Josh Sagara, who is playing the role of Hector. He has other roles in Arrow, Orange is the New Black, uh, Red Dead Redemption. He did a voice in that in that video game. Uh, he's briefly in the new She-Hulk, and he will be in the upcoming Scream 6. We have a rapper on the show. Her name is Pristil- Priscilla Star Diaz, and she also goes by the name Miss P. Star, and she is Jessica. Uh, Ricky Smith plays the character of Keith. Stage and Broadway performer Jenny Barber plays Lisa. And we have Ashley Austin Morris as Francine, who we see in this premiere episode that we watched of the show. A couple of other notable stars I wanted to make sure to mention and whom we do see in this episode. First of all, William Jackson Harper is playing the role of Danny in The Pranksters. And I always recognize him to look at him because I know him as Cheaty from The Good Place. And he was also in Midsommar, which I watched again recently. We also have now uh, some kids who grew up with the Disney Channel will know this. Kyle Massey as PJ, who started in season two, uh, also known as Corey in the House. So they got Corey in the House for this one. And That's So Raven also didn't know about the allegations around Kyle Massey, so just wanted to bring that up and not spend too much time on it. The other person who you're bound to know and who thankfully, I I mean, like I didn't plan this, but did show up in this episode that we watched because I wanted to be sure to talk about him. From Hamilton and in the Heights, Lin-Manuel Miranda is a recurring character on the new electric company, which seems to fit as I think we'll get into. (laughs) Yes. So, so the episode we're watching is called, it's the first episode of the show called skills. It aired in January 23rd, 2009. This one was also suggested by queen neutral in our ECL discord because of a certain song later on in the show. Again, I'll try and be a bit briefer this time, but there is a story through line to this one, which is an immediate difference. This is still a variety sketch show in some ways, but there's also a narrative to this, which is uh, Keith, who seems to be the main kid character, um, is telling another kid about how he joined the electric company, which seems to be... So the electric company seems to be some sort of 
like gang or something. Yeah, a group of superhero, a group of of um sort of <laughs> elementary school English class power based superheroes. They're like the X Men or something. They're like the X Men, but if your powers were specifically about. Um, you know, phonics. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do also get, so we had the original theme, the electric company theme. And this one, of course, because one of the big things that they wanted to do with this show was to add a bit of hip hop flavor to it. And boy, do they, including, <laughs> including a hip hop remix of the original theme. What did you think of, yes. what did you think of this? So, um, there's a lot to discuss here because okay. I think that this theme song, um, much like how you said Lin Manuel, uh, is almost too perfect of a fit for this whole <laughs> show's vibe. This theme song really sets the tone um, for everything else that we're about to see, oh, yeah. and that that tone is theater kids rapping. Ooh, um, okay. It, it, it it is a mix. It, it is aesthetically, you know, Disney Channel or the CW. Yes, and it is in mentality theater kids rapping. Uh, and that's and that's kind of the the vibe we get. Um, speci- the, the the most. Listen, it, it, it's good for what it is. You know, some there's good vibrance and energy. I like the little animated stuff um, that's dancing around the characters as as they're being introduced, and and they all seem like they're rapping and have a great time. Um, what's his name specifically? Joss Sagara, which I'm sure is doing the best he can with the material he's being given, is so embarrassing. <laughs> I wanted to, when he turns his, like, newsboy cap around, I wanted to hide under my chair. I was like, this is really, I, you know, I, I don't want to, st- listen, it's, it's a little bit cringe. I will say this. It, yeah, I was, I was is. saying it, it's a little bit cringe, but in that very specific Disney Channel kind of way. Yes. And we'll get into, once we get into, like, a little bit more of the details of the show, I have a theory of why this is. And it ties back into the 1970s show as well. Um, so you, you, you said, like, theater kids rapping. To me, the vibe that I got from this episode was, what if your Christian youth group wasn't Christian? <laughs> Like a non-denominational youth group. You know what I mean? Like I just, I've been, and I say that because I used to be in a Christian youth group for many, many years Mm -hmm. and I led one. Mm -hmm. So I know what this type of cringe is like. And yes, I did kind of like the, when it comes to the the theme song of like, (laughs) it's kind of good. Like it's technically good. And then I'm also like, "Mm," especially because like you said, a lot of the fashion is very bright and it's very of the time. It's like this is this would have been around the time I would have been in university, but not too long since I'd left high school. So I recognize a lot of this, and it was mm. not a not a not a pleasant recognition. I'll just say. Uh, and you know what? You know, it's kind of unfair to this one that we watched the '70s one in a way because we don't remember that era. So maybe the, our parents look back at those big collars. And they cringe yes. and they're like, oh my goodness. But to us, it's like a novelty. We're like, wow, look at all this old stuff. With this, it's like, oh yeah, I remember 2009 Old Navy. Oh yeah. And I oh, don't yeah. care to go back. No. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is that the electric company is something that you can join because Keith, the main kid, manifests a power where he can just make words appear on like just by 
imagining them in his hand and he throws it onto like a wall or the pavement or something. And so the Electric Company are a group of young people who have different like word related <laughs> powers. And and so they're just like, okay, I think it's time for you to join. Like, I think you are ready to join the Electric Company. And I was so confused. Like, I was so confused, dude. And I was like, I'm so glad we picked the first episode because if we had dropped into like the middle of season two, this would have been even worse. Like, th- so Keith has to take a pledge to join the Electric Company. They ask him at one point, like, do you understand the seriousness of what you're about to do? And I'm like, I don't understand the seriousness of what you're about to do. Like, yeah. What's going on here? Well, it, the problem exapper- is exasperated because Keith is like twelve, and all these other people are like thirty-four. Yeah, and is the other, and thing. as we see later on, like especially with the pranksters who are like the anti-electric company, <laughs> they they make reference to like schoolwork, and it's like, dude, you're my age. Like you are in your late twenties, my man. Like unless you're talking about university, well, like. Let's talk about the pranksters because please. What are, I actually like the pranksters, and it, it it's because you know the the electric companies themselves. You're supposed to think they're cool and like them, even though that they're like these thirty year old theater kids rapping right. about phonics, yeah. and so it just comes off as like totally embarrassing. Whereas the pranksters are intentionally supposed to be unlikable. Yes, and with that, they have a little bit more fun, like with them. Instead oh of my being, god. Uh, a bunch of old Navy models playing it totally straight. The pranksters are like over. They're theater kids so over the top to a degree where it, it comes all the way back around and just becomes uh, unironically enjoyable. Like these people are insane. They're they're so broad. <laughs> like it's it's just like you're, they're playing at the. And it's also funny to, because like I've seen some like I've seen an actor like William Jackson Harper like actually act and be good in things but you wouldn't be able to tell from this of just like the the pointed stares and i also have to give kudos to the to the woman playing francine ashley austin morris she is hamming it up like crazy and it is actually Mm. quite entertaining like i did get a couple of laughs out of this but i did have again i had the note of like the acting from the pranksters reminds me of like when you're watching a christian youth group put on a sketch about like the bad kids who aren't into jesus except it's not about jesus it's about like phonics (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just like I this would make more sense if it were about Jesus, but it isn't. Um, I just quickly want to mention that so we have the narrative, and then they also do the classic quote unquote electric company sketches and just e- end up using a lot more like digital technology. So there's a lot more green screen, there's a lot more um of that type of technological boost. And sometimes it's like a lot of them are rap songs about like what the letter s does we get one as queen neutral mentioned there's one about how there's no sorry there's two no i'm sorry there are three different like rap songs about how silent e is a ninja which by the way if any of these people want to have a second life in their career they could perform those songs at the gathering of the juggalos because they're always talking about um, you know, that's what happened with Vanilla Ice. He has that song, Go Ninja Go, right. from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. And Juggalos, they also call each other ninjas. And so you can repurpose, you know, the ledger, letter E is a ninja. means something totally different in the context of the gathering of the Juggalos. So they can... But yeah, you're right. It, it, it's like they re- replaced... Um, 
It's like they replaced the video mixer with Adobe After Effects. Yeah, now they're yeah, yeah, Adobe yeah, yeah. After Effects to its limit. Yeah, very much so. Um, so yeah, the, yeah, uh, Shaggy Two Dope and Violent J can claim the silent E as running with the hatchet. Um, I would love to see it, and I think it should be done. So the idea is that the pranksters want to steal the powers of the electric company. So Keith comes up with a plan to fool them, but he has to get around the fact. And again, this confused the hell out of me. And 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 they say they say this like this is this is absolute text in the show that's canon about the electric company. Hector says that people in the electric company can't lie. So Keith has to fool the pranksters, but he can't lie to them, which is like I'm sure it's kind of like the you know PBS Kids show moralizing of like don't don't like don't lie. But it's it's again it's just like why like why can't the electric company lie what is this are they mm. are they the Power Rangers or something like it just there's I, I left this with so many questions. Well, okay, I think this is a good time to like talk about kind of the through line between these two shows, right. the '70s version and the, and the modern version. You know, I'm glad you brought up how real those kind of domestic little sketches are, you know, whether it be uh, that guy and his wife at, at the dinner table and he's asking how she's feeling or the yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Morgan Freeman bit where he's taking the picture of his, his, his boo-thang. And um, it really kind of hammers on what I don't like about a lot of modern-day shows, period, is that they almost come off as a simulacrum of a simulacrum, you know? They're they're an imitation of an imitation. Okay. Um, they don't feel like they're reminiscent of real life. They feel like they're reminiscent of movies that are copying other movies to the point where in some modern-day shows, whether it be your kind of like Netflix fair or, or what have you, I always find that people don't end up talking like how real people talk. They'll right. Talk about how, like how people on Twitter talk or, or they'll talk basically, you know, it's the classic, let's not and say we did oh that just happened yes. you know, those types of things that nobody ever actually really says they just talk like that on tv it's like it, Whereas, it's like it's like joss whedon dialogue that's exactly exactly and it's there's there's too many levels of extra of, of extraction to the point where it's not reminiscent of real life anymore yeah. it's just reminiscent of other tv and it kind of rings hollow yeah okay in the 70s there's none there's none of that and here's the other thing too look at the casts right the cast of this show and I'm not saying this is necessarily a bad thing. I'm saying it's it's uh, a product of the time. I think it's actually just a good way of, of talking about these two time periods. The cast of this show, all these people, if you were to like show me them, I'd be like, those look like actors. And if when they're done doing their electric company stuff, I bet these guys go home and work on their lines and practice on how to be a good actor. Yeah. And, and look at their headshot. Like That's the vibe you get from all of these people. That electric company cast, you uh, who knows what freaking Skip Hannett gets up to. That looks like a guy who's, like, lived a whole life. And and he Skip Hannett looks like a regular guy. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, Hair yeah. piece at all. Um, Just a and, dude. And like, he looks like, a, like, yeah. like your uncle or a friend of your dad's or something. Exactly. And I think that's another contributing factor to why it rings real and true, is that those people feel like regular people, whereas the electric company feel like a bunch of old Navy mannequins. Yeah. Taught, been taught how to rap and sing mm. and, you know, came out of a, a Disney Channel factory. Um, now, in terms of making the show kind of a narrative thing, um, it's interesting because I feel like if they had brought it back today in 2022, 
they would have done the exact opposite and actually doubled down on making the electric company basically uh, 28 minutes of a TikTok feed. It's just a bunch of 10 second bits. Oh yeah. About phonics. Yeah, you're probably uh, But right. because of they, because they were trying to bring it back in 2009, it makes sense to me that they were like, okay, we can't just do what we did in the 70s. It's not going to work with the modern era. So maybe we'll have a, a narrative through line where the electric company is actually a team of heroes and they they use their powers and. But the problem is that stuff's kind of the stuff that works the worst in yeah. anything in this in the reboot. The stuff that works the best is like that like um faux claymation sequence with like the wolf. Yes, um, yes, that was a and that was a that's a parody of 24. It's like a Yes. <laughs> and it's it's about a dog named Jack Bowser who needs help yeah. escaping from a cake before it explodes. So he needs to read a sentence up on the wall. He needs to read the sentence Dane is a teenage ape. He came to the game with five cakes. And it's like it is 24 seconds long and then he does it, it and you, like you said it's like CGI claymation and then it's out of there. And that is, you know, the most memorable stuff from the 1975 show is just the ones that you're like, wait, what? sorry, what happened? You almost don't have enough time for it to, like, take root in your brain because it was so wild and, yeah, just so quick. You got uh, the guy doing... He's like scratching holographic turntables talking about woke. This was kind of prescient. <laughs> woke is a joke. I was like, someone's got to like screen cap this. This would be a good Twitter reply. Uh, I, I was, I'm glad you noticed that too, because he was talking about the suffix oak. And then he goes with like woke. And I'm like, whoa now. But it was 2009. So he's talking about waking up. He woke up. Yeah, not, yeah not the exactly. Other. Um, but yeah, those two, those bits are the stuff that works the best. And it turns out if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The little animated kind of non sequiturs or even the non sequitur skits are the stuff that works the best. And then everything else really does feel all of 2009. Yeah. It does feel like a fake CW show, but through channeled through Disney, it feels like you said, a secular kind of Christian show because nobody's acting real. They're all like, none of these people would actually hang out. Unless it's in the context of a youth group or a theater troupe. Like, these adults and this child rapping together in their weird clubhouse rigs totally false. Whereas, the moment with um, Morgan Freeman taking a picture of his girlfriend feels totally unscripted and real. Like, when they're going back and forth, they're they're totally casual, and she's getting mad because the pictures aren't turning out the way she wants, and then he's got a picture of, like, a blonde lady, and she's like, who's that? Like, <laughs> uh, Well, and, and I, I, in, two th- yeah. in 2009, I, to go along with what you're saying here about how the kind of separate sketches feel a little bit more real, by that point, we had already well gotten into... You know, YouTube had been around for a few years, so you're all, and and before YouTube as well. It's like we're we've already kind of gotten into the idea of there being shows out there that were very much just like young kids doing sketches and like figuring out what's stuck. You know, like you're the whitest kids you know, Mega sixty four. For me, it was like Barats and Beretta in two thousand nine, just like little l- low to no budget sketches that were just all about either making you laugh or just, like, getting your attention. You know, you have stuff in here, like, some of the ones that I will still remember, it's, like, near the end they have the parody of Rocky, except it's a guy doing a thumb war. It doesn't even really relate all that much to, like, phonics or anything, but and then it's, like, the the, the tagline at the end is, thumb war, be thumb buddy, and I laughed. I thought that was funny. 
And then I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention in the we do get three different segments about how Silent E is a ninja. One of those is a hip hop song featuring Lin Manuel Miranda, which hilarious in hindsight. Lin Manuel Miranda is everywhere today, and it was you know it was everything that I was hoping it would be. He showed up. He did the Silent E is a ninja da, 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 in the Lin Manuel Miranda voice, and then he went away, and then I never <laughs> we didn't see him again. But I will remember that it was like Lin Manuel Miranda on what looks like the steps of Congress or something, just doing a <laughs> rap about Silent E is a ninja, and then wearing like some sort of Dracula cape. Yeah, and it's there was a weird energy to it that really felt like. What do we have in the prop closet? Where can we go on today's budget? The steps of Congress in a vampire cape. Oh, okay, let's go to record a 30-second rap. Like, there was a... Those segments, you know, other than the fact that, you know, the animated ones are obviously technically proficient. They were done professionally, and I'm sure they all were. There's a really... Almost a punchy nature to them that's a lot more endearing, as you said, than the... uh, the actual story to this. And, of course, the episode ends with Keith joining the electric company via hip-hop song. So, yeah, I I think it's funny how this is how they interpreted the electric company 30, almost 35 years later as something that needed a narrative. But I think that, and we we can just kind of talk about overall feelings as well as comparing the two. I, I, I want to hear what you have to say, but I'll just start off by saying that, like, the old one, like I said, almost, like, burned me out at the end because it was so quick and you didn't know what was coming. The newer one felt too clean by comparison. Mm. It really felt almost too polished. And, it I mean, the level of polish is great. And obviously this responded well with the audience it had, all the Emmy Awards and that sort of thing. But there was a part of it that there were parts of it that felt a bit more disingenuous than others, as as we mentioned before. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, tell tell me about yeah how how you're feeling about both of them. Well, I, I I have to remember that it's not necessarily fair because I think I'm tend to be more critical of the 2009 one because I've lived through that era. Yeah, <laughs> and so there's there's so much novelty with the 70s one. It's so it, it is so 70s. It makes sense that like I w- I was reading the Wikipedia article. And they said like it, there's multiple clips from the uh ep- from the Electric Company in VH1's like Remember the 70s special because of course yes. there is because it's like the most it's it's like um. Uh, that show you mentioned earlier with the the dancing show, what's it called? Soul Train. It's it's like Soul Train in that it is an icon of the era. It is quintessential seventies children's television, and you can't really remove it from that context. So I'm a little bit biased because I just like watching old stuff, and so it's a lot more novel to me. Uh, and so I can't really look at it in a vacuum of like, okay, if a kid was to watch this, would they get a kick out of it? But I think because of its its crazy pace, I kind of think they would, because its pace is like up there with a show that we said that was so bombastic and energetic, Bill Nye the Science Guy, and that's why it would really work for today's kids. Um, and then the new one, I'm kind of hypercritical of, because <laughs> it made me cringe, and because it just reminded me of all the things I don't like about modern TV. Um, but at least they tried. Uh, and it, I'd be lying if I said it didn't make me actually legitimately laugh, especially with, um, the kind of evil electric company crew, uh, the, and their, their scenery chewing, the pranksters, uh, that was really the highlight for me as well as the, you know, the, there, there's still something in there. So I think if they were to ever bring back the electric company, 
they you wouldn't want to do a 70s throwback but you certainly wouldn't want to do what they did in 2009 either i think the trick is to really double down on the absurdity of it all mm. to really kind of make like and and you know, I'm the Adult Swim guy, so maybe I'll say this for everything that we watch. But make it Adult Swim for kids. You know, make this mixed right. media thing with this frenetic, crazy pace, um, and have it be absurd, um, and have it make very little sense, and have it have all these different artistic styles that that are anachronistic, and and have this breakneck pace, and and just you know, beat these kids over the head with phonics until they don't know what hit them. <laughs> um, and, and there's, I feel like there is. Uh, room for a show like that today and I think it would work um, and it's just so interesting to look back at both these shows and how kind of reminiscent they are of their respective time periods for better or for worse I agree I think that this this actually makes me really interested to see what the next iteration of the electric company would look like even if we gave it the same amount of years so if this came out in 2009 and there's like 25 sorry 10 20 35 years so it would be closer to like 2045 when we'd see the new electric company but like what would what would that look like and i i would really love this to be a concept that pbs keeps revisiting i because ultimately obviously it's there's a lot of really solid educational content in here just in terms of playing around with words and discovering like what things look like how they sound, and then the different hangups of the English language. I just, I think it's a really cool concept. It's, you know, it's like shows about reading. Like, I have a soft spot for it, of course, because I'm in, uh, I graduated with a major in English. But I think this does it in a way that's fairly accessible and, and I'm speaking about both of them, fairly accessible and in a way that is at least like very energetic. The classic one, I feel like, as you kind of intimated, Lucas, I love your your point about Adult Swim for kids. Um, it, I feel like there could be a, a show around now that takes a lot of cues from the old one. And the newer one, the new electric company, did that to a point. But then I think that the stuff that they kind of made, tried to do to make it more modern, didn't end up really sticking. And so I'd love to see them try again and then keep what worked and maybe not so much what didn't, and make new mistakes. Because both of them are very dated in different ways. And both of them have things that are fairly timeless. So I just really, I enjoyed looking at this concept. This is something we don't get to do a lot. We get to see the different iterations of a show throughout a significant portion of years. And there really is something to this idea of the electric company. I also love the idea of a show being for older child viewers of PBS to kind of keep them here, keep edu keep educating them, but also speaking more to their level instead of, you know, PBS is not just the channel where they do baby shows or whatever. They do, but then you have shows like The Electric Company, you have shows like Zoom, like that are trying to court a little bit of an older child audience. And I think that that's important, and I hope that PBS continues to do that. I have less of an idea of what their identity looks like now, but I f hope there will always be room for these types of shows that are trying to speak to older kids and in a way that's as engaging as both of these were like, as you know, they're, they were both pretty long episodes and thank you for watching both of them back to back Lucas, but they were pretty engaging. And then, I mean, if nothing else, there was lots to talk about. <laughs> yeah. There, I'm so glad there was no shortage. And sometimes we find that way 
with uh, with shows that we watch and other times it's like, oh, we are uh, we have a bevy of topics as we as we did today. So that's our look at the electric company. Uh, Lucas, I'm really glad that you suggested it. And that was a lot of fun to uh, to dig into and to find out more about. Now I have a better idea of what this Family Guy reference is. Um, so thanks, everybody, for being our patrons, of course. And uh, apologies for the little bit of schedule delay as uh, Lucas had his big move. And we had our own little summer break here at the end of August and September. But we're going to be coming back to the schedule and I will also say in the next month or so, and I've been coy about this a little, I'll continue to be coy as it begins to, as it, the details get hammered out, the Patreon will be changing um, in a little bit. I think for the better, and I'm interested to see what y'all will think. But for now, we'll be coming back with another episode of For the Kids in two weeks. Now, this would be the opportunity uh, for the patrons to vote, but I'm going to take a little bit of an executive decision here because in our last vote... Uh, between Daniel Tiger and the other DT show, everything was really close. And it seems that there are a lot of people who would like us to talk about Dinosaur Train. So, I, I, I mean, just based on the name, I want to know what Dinosaur Train is all about. So we're going to be talking about Dinosaur Train next time on For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast. And until then, I'm just going to be wondering whatever happened to all of that 70s fashion. How did that go out of style? Also, the camera, Where, like Lucas, the the the, the camera, like the the camera with the instant photos, that's kind of coming back. When are the flared collars coming back? I mean, the pants are back. Will I again? I was on a university campus yesterday taking pictures with Spider Man, and you wouldn't believe the size of the pants on these teens. They want these giant flared pants, so maybe the giant collars are right around the corner. Well, one can only hope, and maybe a little bit of crushed velvet in there, too. For Lucas Mancini, my name's Will Young. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of For the Kids. And that was... Doink!